0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Spoon Mob Pod. My name is Ray, and I am your host. And on today's episode, I'm going to be talking about Salty Girl. It's a small seafood-forward, seafood-centric restaurant in Boston. It's actually located in the Back Bay neighborhood, which is halfway between downtown Boston and Kenmore, which is where Fenway Park is. And then right behind the Back Bay is the Charles River, which runs through and splits basically downtown Boston on one side, and then you have Cambridge where Harvard and MIT campus and everything is on the other side. Um, But the restaurant opened back in 2016. It's co-owned by the head chef there, chef Kyle McClelland and restaurateur Kathy Seidel, who actually owns uh, Seidel Hospitality. She's got a couple different restaurants in the city and around um, kind of the area, MET Back Bay, um is the main one, which is actually right next to Salty Girl. And then she has like Stephanie's on Newberry is another restaurant of hers. And MET natick She used to have a few others, I believe, when it was back when it was called MET Restaurant Group. Um, but I don't really know what kind of happened if she owned that restaurant group with another person and then they split off and separated the properties or if she renamed the restaurant group to side Owl hospitality and then shut down some of the restaurants, it most likely it's one of those two things, but I was never able to get much information on either one of those. McClellan himself is actually from the, the area. He was born in New Hampshire and then he grew up in sandwich on Cape Cod, which is part of the upper Cape there. Uh, he went to the French culinary Institute in New York city. Um, that's the same Institute that like, uh, it's now called FCI. Uh, it's actually, a, I think, a different name. It's no longer the French Culinary Institute. It, it renamed to something else, but it's separate from uh, basically the CIA, Culinary Institute of America at Hyde Park, New York. They're two different entities. But pretty much anybody who goes to culinary school around kind of the East Coast usually goes to one of those. There's uh, a Culinary Institute out on the West Coast up in Napa, kind of. And then... um There's a handful of others to kind of mix through the Midwest. I mean, I know there's one in Pittsburgh, um, and then there's a couple others just kind of scattered about. Some people also, if they go to a culinary school, uh, Le Cordon Bleu, which has since closed a couple years back, so that's not anything that you're ever going to see on somebody's kind of resume or culinary history moving forward. But after attending and graduating the FCI there in New York. He moved back to Boston, started working at the Federalist. Then he became the executive chef at Ten Tables, uh, which was a restaurant in Jamaica Plain, kind of a suburb of Boston. Uh, he eventually wound up going over to Nantucket to work there at Toppers at the Walwinet. After that, he went back to Manhattan, worked as executive chef at Caviar Roos, which is a restaurant that now actually has one Michelin star. I think it got it back in 2016, 2017, somewhere there. So it's had it for a few years, but he was there long before it ever got the Michelin star. And then he moved to Dallas. Um, He wound up taking over at the Cedar Social, being the executive chef there. Um, moved back to New York, started his own restaurant called prospect, ran that for a couple years, kind of got tired of the New York restaurant scene, not being appreciated. It's also very expensive and hurricane Sandy happened to as well, which kind of devastated the industry for a half year to a year, pretty much is what most, most folks say. He then went back to Dallas, popped up at a restaurant called Driftwood. From there, he actually went over to another restaurant in Dallas, Proof and Pantry, and then eventually wound up at Madrina, and later, Vicini, which is actually in Frisco, which is a suburb of Dallas. And pretty much didn't last there very long. There were some issues with the restaurant, how it was set up. They couldn't get any staff, really, any qualified staff. Um, So it was like him and a pastry chef Actually wound up opening that a restaurant, the Italian place there, Vicini. And so he pretty much quit after a couple months because it just wasn't going to work. And he also had, I believe it during that time, started talking with Seidel about partnering and opening a restaurant. So he moved back to Boston. Kind of nobody really knew what happened to him for a month or two there. Kind of fell off the scene, just disappeared and popped back up in Boston when Salty Girl opened in April of 2016. Salty Girl itself is, like I said, a small seafood restaurant. It seats like 25, 26 people at most. You can get about 16 at the handful of dining tables that they have that are actually like raised up and elevated. And then there's booth seating and also kind of chair seating. So they just go back to back to back. Um, And then there's a full length bar that runs basically the, the entire length of the restaurant. And that can seat 12 people. There's a raw bar. And then they also kind of specialize in um, tinned seafood, which is something that you find in Spain. So they modeled the restaurant and kind of the cuisine off of local things that they could get. The raw bar was of very big importance to them. But then also the tinned seafood aspect, which they kind of took from some Spanish tapas restaurants that kind of inspired them. And the first experience that I had at Salty Girl was a couple years ago me and my wife went out there for a surprise birthday party for my mother. Um, My parents kind of vacation out there once or twice a year, just kind of going back to the area where we grew up and everything and where they lived for a while. And so we met up with my sister in Boston to get something to eat for dinner. And salty girl was something that wasn't on kind of the normal rotation of, websites and things that I use to kind of find out about new restaurants. It was on an offshoot called Thrillist, which is something that I never really use. Um, And they had a brief synopsis about it and sounded interesting. So, you know, we were going to give that a try. So we met up with my sister at the edge of the park there and walked down through Back Bay to get to the restaurant, put our names in. They don't do reservations. So it's all democratic seating, first come, first serve, which is unfortunate, Um, be a lot Nicer if you could actually just get a reservation. But I get part of it is that they're so small in seating that they don't know when someone's going to finish and they don't want to rush anybody. But at the same time, you don't want to wait around like two hours to eat at a restaurant. You'll just eat somewhere else. So, I mean, for them, they probably don't really care because as long as the restaurant's full, like who cares who is in the seats as long as there's paying customers in the seats. Um, but it, it can be tough to get into. So we wound up putting our names in. Uh, We went to a Italian restaurant bar area um, kind of around the corner and sat there, had a couple drinks. It was probably about an hour, hour and 20 minutes maybe that we waited. And then we called to check and see like, you know, how much longer it was going to be. They didn't really know. Um, They said like maybe 10 to 15 minutes there was a table finishing up and we were next on the wait list wasn't really sure how authentic that explanation was it kind of seemed like an excuse but we waited like another 30 minutes after that still didn't hear from them so then we called again and i didn't think that we were going to get in i thought they were going to be like oh yeah they're just finishing up now again and it was like i was already getting ready to you know order from this italian place that we were at i was like i'm hungry we've been waiting you know an hour and a half at this point like we're not going to get in I don't want to, you know, wait for two hours. Like, that's ridiculous. But Katie wound up calling them. They said our table was almost ready to come on down. So we headed over to the restaurant and we're finally seated, but it was an hour and 45 minute wait. And this was on, I mean, I think it was like a Thursday night in Boston. Um, So it's not like even like there was a whole bunch of people out and about, like going to restaurants or anything like that. But we finally got seated. I hope that they look at their no reservation policy and either implement one because of coronavirus. You can't just have people standing outside waiting around for tables. You can't have a lineup anymore um, just because of the spread of the coronavirus. So they really need to do reservations, even if it's only like half. Like if you want to do reservations for tables and then just leave bar seating open and democratic as a first come first serve, like that's way better than. The situation and how they're operating now it just doesn't make sense when it's 2020 to not have the ability to get a reservation at a restaurant that you want to eat at it's different if it's like always full or anything like that but the whole like walk in look at the line outside of our building we're so busy so many people want to eat here like all oh, that's just bullshit and it's dumb and especially with the pandemic and everything now it's like stop doing that it's it, it just doesn't make any sense anymore just put in a reservation system I get that you don't want to pay open table or somebody whatever fee that they want, but there's plenty of other reservation systems out there that you can use. And you can even do the old school method of somebody calls in and you write their fucking name down on a piece of paper in the time that they're coming in. And if they're not there in 10 minutes, then, oh, shit, too bad. You're off the list and it's next up. I mean, you don't have to have an online booking system. I know it's convenient, but even if you're this small of a restaurant, like you can just do it the old school way. It's not that big of a deal. You already have a hostess there. So just give them the extra responsibility. Um, they're you know already answering the phone. So I don't understand the big deal of implementing even half a reservation system. But the restaurant itself is small. It's probably the size of like a one-bedroom apartment. I mean, you have the four booths back to back to back, just running down the right side of the restaurant. On the left side is the raw bar um, and the bar area that runs pretty much the full length. And the kitchen is in the back behind closed doors. The restrooms are... Behind the last booth, in between that and the kitchen, just kind of on the right-hand side, is where the restrooms were. And there was, like, EDM music playing overhead, which I'm happy with. I mean, maybe that's a little off-putting for other people, but I enjoy EDM music, so I had no problem with, you know, that coming down from overhead speakers, you know, kind of created a lively atmosphere, even though it's a smaller place. But it's surprisingly the way they designed it is really, really smart and how they situated everything. So it feels bigger than it really is. Um, It would be a lot different if they just kind of crammed as many things as they could, but they really thought through how to organize the space to make it most efficient and effective for what they were trying to accomplish with the restaurant. Everybody got drinks. Uh, We got oysters, raw oysters for an appetizer um, and split those up it was there's three different kinds of oysters it was wellfleet new bedford and i forget the third kind that they had but it's it rotates it's just whatever's available in the market and depending on the season too as well um it's pretty much how they do the the oysters uh my sister got the waffle with lobster and then katie got a lobster roll and i got fried clams um All were delicious. I mean, I'm not a fan of lobster, so I'm never going to order it on my own. But her lobster roll was really good. You could get it warm or cold. Um, The fried clams I went with, just that's not something that you see too much on any menus really anywhere. Even in Ohio, which we have an odd amount of clam bakes. We're like the state with the second most amount of clam bakes, I guess, for whatever reason. I'm not sure how all that started, but... They don't do fried clams here. I mean, they'll do baked clams, but fried clams is just not something you see outside of the East Coast. So kind of being back there, um, I remember eating them as a kid. You know, you could buy them in the grocery store, and it was just a bit of nostalgia for me to see them on the menu. So I just kind of had to had to do it because I knew I wouldn't see them on a menu anywhere else for probably quite a while unless I came back to the area. Um, they don't do dessert. They don't do coffee there either as well. So kind of you either got to order more Regular, you know, food from the main menu, the starter section or get the fuck out, Um, which we did kind of at that point, because even with the wait time and everything, you're looking at like a three hour dinner, even though two thirds of it was just waiting for your reservation. Food was great. The atmosphere is great. I really do like the restaurant. It's definitely a place that I would go back to when visiting Boston again, just because I know the quality of seafood that. Uh, mcclellan's bringing in that he's sourcing locally uh, as well as just the environment the atmosphere it's casual you can just you don't have to get dressed up you can just walk in there i mean you could go in there in a t-shirt and flip-flops and shorts nobody's gonna look at you twice nobody's gonna give a shit uh and the food's really good and you don't you know it's not fussy there's no frills it's pretty straightforward but it's just really good quality ingredients uh they have Kind of upscaled a, a little bit in terms of like their plating style recently i was looking at some of their photos on their instagram account um, when i was doing research for the page um the salty girl page on the website there and so they've definitely stepped up their game in terms of of plating and mixing and matching and fusing some other ingredients too as well so it's definitely evolved since i've been there and i do look forward to to going back and seeing kind of how it's changed um I don't know when I'll be getting back to the Boston area. Probably I would say in the next you know, couple years, if I had to imagine there'll probably be some sort of family event or something that I got to get back out there for. Uh, hopefully it's a positive one and not a negative one, but we'll see. Uh, I don't really have much control over those things, but I can't recommend it enough. I mean, it sucks about the wait time. Hopefully that all changes. Hopefully it's a small little good thing that comes out of the coronavirus is it forces them to adopt a reservation system. Um, And hopefully people can kind of get in there easier too as well. They did also open an outpost in the timeout market over in Kenmore, uh, the Fenway timeout market that just opened about a year ago. I think it was actually about a year ago now. It was like June, 2019. And so they have a lot of their popular items on the menu over there. Uh, Mainly like the lobster roll is definitely on the menu over there and and a few other things as well as their chips. Um, The chips that normally come with, kind of some of the, the dishes they have on their menu, they basically started packaging them and selling them for retail. So they're a uh, consumer package goods, CPG, which is smart. A lot of more restaurants need to do that. There's a really good podcast that David Chang did a couple months back um, talking about how restaurants really should flip it. And so people are paying them to have their products in the restaurant. So like plateware, you know, basically almost make it a, working operating showroom where the glassware the plateware all this stuff so when you're dining in a restaurant you're like "Oh, I really love this plate or really love this spoon or whatever be like okay great here's the you know here's the catalog and you can order it you know we can order it for you and um, you know they the restaurant gets a cut of the sale and then the the manufacturer and company they get a cut too as well so it's a really smart kind of business aspect that restaurants probably do need to adopt and I agree with Chang on that it's a really interesting podcast so I can't remember who the guest was on it but it was a couple months ago um I think it was probably maybe early May or somewhere in there so just uh you know worth kind of going back and checking out but for all things salty girl make sure to follow them on instagram it's just at salty girl s-a-l-t-i-e girl uh, you can also file Kyle McClelland. His is KMac, K M A C six zero three is his Instagram. Make sure to check out the Spoon Mob website and the recently loaded Salty Girl page that just went up this morning. So SpoonMob.com/saltygirl take you right to it, or you can get through the uh, notable, um, noteworthy restaurant link there on the main page too as well, and that'll take you right to it with the click tab. Uh, follow spoon mob at spoon mob on instagram you know we're on twitter we're on facebook too as well everything's linked as i've mentioned in all the previous pods so please give us a follow try and post content every day it's not always about food or restaurants Uh, the past couple days i've been just going through some old photos stashed away in the amazon photo folder up uh, on the cloud there and just kind of posting stuff so i posted like this morning was like a throwback thursday photo of uh, when we went to melbourne over in australia too as well um just something different just kind of you know don't want it to all be um strictly food even though that's kind of the main focus but you know there are other cool things that you see and take photos of when you're traveling to different places to eat at uh, great restaurants and want to make sure i highlight those two as well um just kind of give people a break from constantly feeling like maybe they're being like advertised or marketed to because it's like hey we just have this new page you know go check it out it's like Want you to do that, but also want you to just enjoy the the Instagram feed and not feel like you have homework and shit like that. So, um, but yeah, definitely follow us at Spoon Mob on Instagram. Check out the website too as well, SpoonMob.com. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts: Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and a handful of others. We're on too as well. I think iHeartRadio. You can get podcasts through, and we're now on there too. We I just had an email come through a couple days ago that we got added to that. So. Um, we're pretty much at all the main ones where anybody really gets their podcast from, but, uh, spread the word, help us out. Look, looking to, uh, you know, increase the, the amount of listeners that we have would love to, you know, get more people listening, appreciate everybody that is listening so far. And, um, yeah, we're just going to keep this thing rolling. So definitely be doing at least one podcast and all the restaurants on the website there's probably 20 to 30 more too, as well, that I'm still working on write ups for, kind of breaking down the restaurant and the chef um, and there's the history of the chef too, as well, kind of how they got there, you know, why they execute food and do the style of food that they do. So uh, I really like doing that. And, you know, as I mentioned, this podcast, this is actually our 10th podcast. Um, this is meant to complement the website, they go hand in hand. So, if you don't feel like reading you know a 15 you know minute article that we kind of wrote of and and put on the website on your phone you can consume this 15 20 minute podcast and get most of the same information and really the point is to highlight all these great restaurants that yes some are michelin starred and they have james beard award-winning chefs but there's also places that are fantastic that don't have any of those accolades and maybe they're just a, a really good restaurant in their city but they're doing wonderful things that never get highlighted so want to highlight those places that i've been to and experienced, and i think that are worth experiencing for other people when they get to travel to these places whenever travel resumes and that it will be an experience of value for them so uh, if you have any recommendations on you know restaurants that i should check out or anything feel free to submit that Uh, spoonmob at yahoo.com or through the website on the contact page you can submit feedbacks questions comments recommendations love to hear any feedback from listeners out there uh, too as well but um, that's it for the pod on salty girl i don't know what one i'm going to be doing next Um, definitely we'll still be putting out the the food news um, this weekend here And uh, just look forward to everyone checking that out too as well. There's a lot of food news. That one's going to be a bit lengthy. I think that one might actually push like 90 minutes. Um, A lot of food news across the U.S. this week with all the changes in coronavirus restrictions and social distancing restrictions in a handful of states. Um, So yeah, so strap in for that one. Look for that. That'll be upcoming, uh, I think, might get recorded tomorrow. I think that'll get recorded on Friday. I will be doing that one and uh, getting that out there. And then we'll be going to, to once a week. Been uploading a bunch this week. Just wanted to get some content out there for everybody who's listening. Um, that way, you know, you're not just, oh, cool, I found this new podcast. And there's one episode, and it's 15 minutes long. And that's kind of a bummer, and you don't really get a feel for what we're doing. And And the podcast will continue to get better over time, too, as well as I get better talking into a microphone. It's just something I'm not, you know, super familiar with. I know uh, sometimes it can probably be a little bit rough with the likes and ands and buts and stuff like that and transitions and whatnot. I'm fully aware of it. I go back and listen to every episode and try and make sure that uh, I correct things that might be a bit annoying to listeners or feel a little bit repetitive or stuff like that too as well. So, um, but appreciate everyone listening and until the next episode, stay safe out there and we'll talk to you guys soon.